Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. And we learned by year three that it was time to grow. It was time to figure out either we're going to grow this or we're going to sell this. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hello and welcome to episode 169 of Tourpreneur. This is the podcast where we flatten the learning curve for tour operators and travel professionals around the world by sharing the stories of other tourpreneurs. How did they start their business? How did they build their business? How did they grow their businesses? What challenges did they face? All of that here on Tourpreneur. And today we hear from Renee Ventris. She is the tourpreneur at Cork and Keg Tours. They are a full concierge service, boutique, winery, and brewery tour company. They've been operational now for five years in Northern Virginia. Renee is a military veteran. She actually started life as a Navy cryptologist. So she walks through how she went from serving her country to serving guests with exclusive wines and luxury brews in Northern Virginia. We talk a fair bit about how she went about building those local partnerships because obviously every wine and brewery tour needs to have a really good rapport, good working relationships with all the wineries on their tour. So we spent a little bit of time digging into that. She's got some nuggets of wisdom she's going to share with us as well as some of her learning points of how she designed and grew her business from scratch. That's today's show here at Torpreneur. Welcome to Torpreneur, Renee Ventris of CorkandKegTours.com. How are you? I'm fantastic, Shane. How are you today? I'm excited to chat with you. I'm excited because this is the first interview I'm conducting of 2022. I've really missed these episodes where I get to really dig into Tourpreneur's story, how you started the business, how you grew it. And we're all learning. We're all learning by uh, listening to each other's stories. Because as you well know, there, there's no university where we can go and learn tourpreneurialism. I just made a word up there on the fly. Um, so your stories, you guests that come on and share your uh, origin stories and how you grow is, is so important to us here. Um, so Cork and Keg Tours, tell me, what were you doing before you started the business? What's your background? Ooh, my background, it's a billion resumes all in one thrown up into the air. Um, I've done a lot of different things. I was a Navy cryptologist in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, served overseas. Um, the best thing I learned about the military was that I was not cut out for the military. <laughs> So being you. an entrepreneur, yeah, being an entrepreneur and then also being a sailor, uh, they, they really conflict. Uh, best decision I ever made. I love serving my country, but it definitely was never going to be a career. Uh, after that, you know, um, I had my son. He is 23 years old now and also just started doing jobs that just, you know, whatever came along. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I just kind of took different jobs here and there. And there is a common theme of sales, marketing, and business development, no matter where I went. So I was in, for example, um, luxury travel um, before Airbnb was a thing. Yes, I'm that old. Uh, I sold, you know, luxury memberships into this, you know, travel trading group. Mm -hmm. um, I've also sold magazine subscriptions and daily deals. Uh, I was also um, with uh, vehicle history reporting and as an account manager. The biggest gig that I had before I started my business was um, as the director of a mobile pet spa and a pet sitting company. I uh, also ended up working them toward franchising because the pet spa division that I was in charge of ended up building into a multi-million dollar division of the company. So I 
found out there in those seven years that I really had a knack for business development, finding holes in processes and plugging them, and then customer service and just providing these amazing client experiences. So that's really what I was doing before then, just bouncing around and making different places better <laughs> than I found them. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for your service. Navy cryptologist. I, I'm wondering if you're a spy, really. That sounds like Jack Ryan was a, an analyst and cryptologist, wasn't he? So I'm wondering if this is just one big cover story. And you're in Northern well, Virginia, I mean, not far from Langley, I bet. <laughs> listen, I told you I'd have to kill you. You know the old saying. I but, do. I well, do. Our son, we told our son, you know, that that's kind of what we did, you know, looked at satellites and things. And so he always thought we were spies and he was younger. Swore to God our house had cameras in it, and we did not try to change his mind. So needless to say, there were no wild parties at the Ventry's household. You should have left a few like Russian newspapers around the place, you know, like the Americans. <laughs> oh, we love that show. Actually, we watched that show as a family, and you know, there are some similarities. It's a yeah. different world now than when I was in it. But um, yeah, no, they they used to call us the spooks of the uh of the, the industry. Of so course. yeah, intelligence was really a fun place to be. And you know, it did teach me a lot, a lot about how to figure things out, a lot about critical thinking. And I really do apply a lot of that to what I do now as a tourpreneur. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So I'm curious then, you had all these different jobs. Um, Walk us through those steps when you had that light bulb moment that you were like, you know what, I want to create an experience, high class luxury experience in winery and brewery tours. How did that all come about? Yeah, it is very close to literally a light bulb experience, too, because it wasn't anything that was on the radar. So in 2016, my husband, who was also a cryptologist and now he's in cybersecurity, had gotten laid off from a small startup. And so he took some time off, did some honeydews, had been in the industry for over 20 years. So he figured the next job would just be right there. Well, it wasn't coming. And so the months went by and severance is running out. And he's like, Ah, what are we going to do? So we go for this long drive. And he says, you know, I'm really tired of being one jerk's opinion away from paying our mortgage. What if we do our own thing? Well, that was music to my ears because I have made up a new business every day of my life, you know, just in thinking. So I was very excited. And uh, we talked a little bit more possibly about franchising, took a franchise quiz and realized that I'm a franchisor's nightmare. Um, I just don't like to color within the lines. I, I, I don't even like telling myself what to do and following my own rules. So being a part of a franchise wasn't in the cards. So we thought, you know, we do winery tours every time we go on vacation in Sonoma. Absolutely love the company that we work with, but no one in our area of Virginia does tours that way. With the whole full concierge service, the backstage, you know, access, the access to winemakers and real wine education. So we thought, let's do that. So the first idea was to call the company that we've been using for over a decade out in Sonoma. And that was on a Sunday. And we were going to call that Monday and then thought their name means nothing here. What if we come up with our own name? So we opened a bottle of wine, spitballed some names, came up with Cork and Keg Tours and just got the, the ball rolling from there. It's a great name. It's a great name. Yeah, we wanted a name that we could take anywhere. I didn't want to call it anything to do with Virginia because that same night I was like, ooh, Cork and Keg Tours, Tuscany. And my husband's saying, can we just get the LLC and business plan yeah. before you start taking us overseas? <laughs> <laughs> so it's but, but, Yeah, but it is kind of funny, though. Our first international T-shirts are actually in Tuscany right now. So that's kind of funny. It's interesting to me that your uh, your partner, your husband, is uh, works hard to keep your feet on the ground, Renee. Is that fair to say? It is not only fair, it is 100% accurate. <laughs> so we like to say that he is uh, he's the brake and I am the gas in the relationship <laughs> as it applies to cars. But uh, yeah, I really am the go, go, go. And he's like, okay, we can do that. But hey, is it realistic? And oh, what's the budget? And so we're very much a yin and yang in our relationship, both in life and as business partners. I own 51% of the company. Don't get that twisted. But um, we really do offset each other well um, with me on the creative side and him on the realistic side. It keeps us from doing the wrong thing and trying to expand either the wrong way too quickly um, or just, you know, with with reality and checks in place. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to share three of your top learnings. I'm sure you've had a ton more, but we'll we'll keep it at three. Um, And one of them was market research. And the question I'm always interested in asking tourpreneurs is, okay, you have this idea. 
wine and brewery tours. How did you go about researching whether that business idea had legs? Yeah, great question. And that's something that so many people in our hospitality and tourism industry here don't do, and they end up going out of business. So when we had the idea in November 2016, low season here, because it's very cold in Virginia, we went with a little book, well, big book now, um, and went to every winery and every brewery. When it was not quite as busy, and we introduced ourselves to the wineries, to the uh, the breweries, the brewers, everyone, and said, hey, this is what we're planning on doing. Um, what is it that you absolutely hate about tour groups coming to your winery or brewery? So their demeanor changed when we asked that question, because when you say you're going to do a, a tour company with groups, there's this pushback, like, oh, my God, a bunch of drunks rolling up in a van to my beautiful winery. I do not want any part of this. Uh, but when we asked them what they hated, they pulled up a chair, pulled out the wine and said, these are the things that make it hard for us to really enjoy having the groups here. So our market research was really a bit of the reverse. We went first to the venues and found out what their operations were, made our operations based on what it was that they needed. There was a common theme of the, you know, the guests not being, um, not necessarily supervised, but just kind of being left to roam without any real, you know, any real uh, itinerary. So we made sure that now we have a start time and a finish time every place we go. We know the rules and their regulations, whether it's COVID related or not. You know, we make sure that our guests do that. And then we pair the type of experience they offer with the type of experience the guests want. That's another thing that a lot of the other companies don't do is really making sure that if you've got a very high-end, she-she, quiet winery with a violin player in the corner, you're not bringing a rowdy bachelorette party there. You're taking them to the brewery, you know, that's got a live country band and lots of space. Yeah. So yeah. that was the first thing that we did for our market research um, to see if anyone else was doing it took a few tours and they were fine, but they didn't exceed our expectations. So, so what that's were you what looking for? So, so interrupt, but what, what were you looking for when you went on those tours? You know, what weren't they fulfilling as far as you were concerned? Yeah. So what we were looking for was someone to make the reservations for us to figure out what kind of places that we wanted to go and to, uh, you know, just to kind of keep their experience going to make sure that we were, you know, on time with wherever we were going next and and just giving us a full a, a full day, like like an all inclusive experience. Um, what we found was we had to make our own reservations. Um, we had to just the, the driver would just open the door and say, OK, see you when you get back. So we had no real sense of timing on making sure that we got to our next reservations on time. One place we went to and chose didn't know that we couldn't even do reservations. I mean, it was just we had to do way too much planning. So we were looking for someone to plan for us. That did not happen. We took one where the planning was done for us, but what wasn't done was making it so that we had more of an exclusive experience versus just bellying up to the bar, you know, with general population, you know, gen pop, you know, and and just kind of being one face in a crowd. So we wanted exclusivity, didn't find that. And the final thing we were looking for was a really personalized experience. Um, we didn't know what that meant until again, we went to California and were able to play our own music on one of our tours. And so we were like, oh, how cool is that? Playing all your own favorite music, things along those lines. So exclusivity, um, personalization and concierge services uh, were the three biggies that we were looking for and couldn't find all three of those in one place. So we made that happen. Excellent. No, I love that. I love that you went and did that, you know, detailed market research of what's currently out there and what the gap is and you know, what's out there today and what you feel you can do better. Cause I think that's so important. Um, and then in terms of the demand, how did you know there'd be a demand for uh, the tours? Oh, yeah. Well, so our biggest demographic is our own. You know, I'm 51 and people our age are empty nesters. Our kids have gone off to college or in high school and able to, you know, not need babysitters anymore. Um, and we're looking for things to do, looking for things to do with friends. And our wine uh, region out here is simply beautiful and growing so much. So we knew that the number of wineries was in increasing. And we knew in talking to our friends and what we wanted to do for entertainment 
It was out there. So in polling people and talking to all the different people at the schools and, you know, in our social circles and finding out that all of them were like, yeah, you know, we wanted to rent a limo and go to wineries, but we didn't know which ones to go to. And it just seemed like too much work. So we just took a cab to one winery, drank there all day and, and came home, you know? So we, we realized at that point, there really was a need. Um, some of the other companies that we had talked to were actually like, oh, join our company. And knowing what I know about myself working for somebody else, <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to work out for either of us. Um, so, yeah, so and and it kept on growing. Like we yeah. kept our ear to the, the ground and found out that more wineries were planned, more breweries were planned. I joined the Agritourism Council in the area so I could learn more about what our rural tourism was all about. And sure enough, I mean, it was just on an upswing. And very few places were doing anything um, about that as far as bringing people out to our Western region. So we just saw the writing on the wall. And we also did the research um, in depth. By that, I mean, we drank all the wine and drank all the beer so that we could be subject matter experts on what people would enjoy at, you know, at different spots. So it really does. It, it totally it, it just makes it so that people feel very, very comfortable trusting us with a special day. What year were you founded? When did you start your first tours? 2016 was when yeah. we founded the company and 2017 was the very first tour after we had the van customized and fully ready to go and got the marketing yeah. uh, to the point where our tours were already, our calendar was filling up before our van was even completely built out. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about, you, you've got the idea, you've gone and done your market research. And of course, the next thing that you need is cash. Like you say, you know, you, you have buses involved in marketing. So how did you fund the business starting out? Yeah, uh, we got a VA loan and we worked with the uh, Small Business Association in our area to find out exactly what we need to do to do it. Had to jump through a lot of hoops. It's kind of funny. They tell you that, yeah, you can get a loan if you have this much money. And I said, well, if I had that much money, I wouldn't need a loan. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of difficult. But being um, military veterans um, was very helpful. Also having, you know, good credit scores and um, had some money in savings. So we went about it in that way. Uh, kept everything very low. Really, the only overhead was the van because we decided that I was going to do everything else. So um, I do all the marketing. We don't pay anybody to do our marketing, our social media. I built our website myself. Um, you know, we did everything we could to really keep all of those costs down and just focus on, all right, here's how much it's going to take to get a van. Here's how many years, if we do this many tours, it will take for us to, you know, break even. And here's when we can start to profit. Is this worth going into? And, you know, having that five-year mark as the as the goal was the right goal. And we actually beat that by one year and ended up being profitable in four years instead of five. Congratulations. That's quite the achievement. We were pretty excited. I think it's, you know, um, like I said, it was really more about, it was never about how do we go find customers? It's wine, it's beer, it's safety, transportation. We knew that part was going to be easy as long as we had our message out there. What we wanted to do was make sure that we were welcome everywhere and even yeah. sought out by uh, the wineries and breweries as the tour company to work for. And so um, the referrals that we get from winery to winery, they tell other wineries or breweries, contact Renee at Cork and Keg Tours. She brings people to you who drink responsibly, who spend money, who become members. So building that reputation kept a lot of our costs down because I don't have to pay to put the message out there. They all talk about it. Yeah. So that's something we get a lot of questions about is from our tourpreneur community is how do we build partnerships, whether it's with hotels or local attractions. I mean, what would you say, what's the secret to your success in building all those relationships with the wineries and breweries in your area? The secret for me is finding out what they need and then figuring out how I can fill that, that void versus going in and saying, hey, here's what I do. Do you want it? I say, hey, I know what you do and here's how I can enhance that. Uh, I make sure that I create a relationship of trust you know, before I even bring a single person there. I, I research what they do and who they are and what their values are so that I can say, hey, I noticed that you do a lot of weddings here, micro weddings. Well, you know, my company, Cork and Cake 
Tours has a 13-person Mercedes Sprinter, and we host a lot of those bachelorettes and, um, you know, and bridal showers. Would you like us to consider you as a place for them to stay when they come into town for these weddings? And, and the more we talked about what we did and having something where they could have a package that even tells the bride or groom, oh, well, we've got this company for your family to enjoy themselves while you do your rehearsal. So we really try to make it so that we fill something that they don't, you know, with their companies um, and be, become an enhancement that they're excited to, to work with. Yeah. So I also am a part of the B&B Guild here in our county. And that was an easy sell. I was like, look, people are coming here to visit. If you are a resource to them of what's best to do, my company is one of the best in the nation. And so you tell them to book with me. I will, you know, tell my people who come to me to book with you and let's just get this going. So I guess my bottom line on that, the, the top thing to do is make yourself valuable to them. Don't try to, to say, don't, don't try to make it so that I need this from you. Can you help me? It's rather, I can do this for you. Would you like it? And it works. I absolutely love that. I have spent two decades in sales, and that's something that I've trained hundreds of salespeople on. It's about the value. It's you demonstrate your value. You identify the gap. Where is the prospect today? Where do they want to be in the future? Can you fill that gap? If not, hey, we'll talk in a year's time. If you can't, here are the ways we can help you. So I love that you said, hey, what are you looking for? When you spoke to a winery, you didn't just do what I call, which is show up and throw up, which 99% of salespeople do, right? It's we do this, we were formed here, here's a picture of our office. It's no, 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 what are you looking for? Where can we help you? Um, how are you looking to increase revenue to get more people through the door? What have you tried before that hasn't worked? Asking all these questions and really, you know, I used to preach, do your discovery before you do your demo, right? Before you present oh, sure. anything, ask a ton of questions. And I, that's what I'm hearing from you, Renee, is we're aligned on that approach to sales you know you've gone in and asked what they wanted i think that's excellent guidance for anyone else out there who wants to build local partnerships don't show up and throw up (laughs) don't show up and throw up i feel like one that's a (laughs) t-shirt yes i'll get that made And two, you're absolutely right, Shane, because, you know, I mean, when you say that you are going to start a winery tour business, you see the body language. They back up. They're like, oh, no, not another bus full of drunks. Um, But when we walked in first, first of all, we walked in and we ordered wine. And then we we introduced ourselves and said, we'd love to speak with the tasting room manager. We didn't go to straight. Where's the owner? You know, type of thing. You talk to the person who's really going to be working with you. You also make make friends with that with that tasting room attendant, because guess who it is that's going to be taking care of your guests and who's going to greet you when you come in. So one of the things you notice on our um, our TripAdvisor and our Facebook and Yelp reviews is people say when they show up, they are VIPs. Yeah. Like every time we walked into a place, uh, the manager would come out and greet Renee and Don by name. And we just walked in and walked past people. People thought we were celebrities. I mean, these are quotes from some of our, our reviews. And it's because we really made them feel like they were special to us. And so they treated us like 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 such. And it's been really, it's been fun to also say to them, we're not looking for any type of a discount from you. Our people are looking to feel special. Yeah. So if it's an upgraded pour, or if it's maybe a private space that we're not being charged for, things along those lines, you know, member pricing on wine, I actually turn away discounts uh, because, you know, people are spending a luxury, luxury, you know, up upcharged price that I charge for my tours, they don't care about saving $2 on a wine tasting. But if you say, because you're with Cork and Keg Tours, you get this special pour of this member Merlot that has only been released, you know, blah, blah, blah. That makes people say, oh my God. So now my guests feel really special. The winery feels like they're making people feel special. So now the guest and the winery, now they're attracted to each other. And we just sit back and reap the benefits. A lot of gold in what you've just said. A lot of gold. Don't always go for the discounts. Go for the the premium service. Absolutely. So you've got up, you're you're up and running. You've started. Can you share with us how you acquired your first customers? Sure. Um, Wow. The first customers, they were friends and family. Uh, Not family. (laughs) I don't (laughs) live near any family. (laughs) 
family are, I love my family, but wow, they are not the easiest when you're doing this. So I do not recommend starting with your family. They were friends. They were people that our son played baseball with. It was their parents. Um, It's people in our neighborhood. Now, one of the things that will also, I'll I'll backtrack just a little bit. One of the things that I've also done was become a real, uh, a really big advocate for my community. So I'm pretty well known in the Mm -hmm. community. I was an MC for a concert series for 13 years. Um, did, uh, you know, sponsorships, uh, did fundraising, all of these things. So I already had this reputation as somebody who helps others. Um, So when I started my own business and said, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting ready to start this. And we are looking for our first group. Um, We did it at a special, we called it the maiden voyage, you know, rate. So it was at a lower rate. And when they got onto the van, it was easy to get full, 13 people, it was, it was just a no brainer. Um, so when our friends all got on the van, we're like, okay, listen, you got the special rate because you guys are part of our marketing team. So as soon as this tour is finished, we need you to come back to our house, have another drink, tell us what you loved, what you hated, and then tell the world what you loved and yeah. just tell us what you didn't like. And it really did work because we got reviews instantly, honest reviews from people. Um, We got feedback that helped us to tweak doing it better. And so as soon as that happened, the, the, the more tours just started coming and coming. Also, our industry really is a sexy one. I mean, you know, it's a luxurious, beautiful Mercedes Sprinter uh, with a nice sound system. Um, we also were doing custom slideshows where people could send us pictures and we would let their pictures be a part of the journey. So making sure that our differentiators were out there along with the basics, safe travel. Uh, we know where the wineries are. We know where the breweries are and we'll make your reservations. Piling onto that, all the things that make us different that no one else was doing the customers came and we just had a responsibility to always give them a five plus star experience and then ask for those reviews and referrals. Um, I can't stress that enough. If you don't ask them, they'll, they'll have a great time and they'll tell a few friends, but they won't necessarily go online mm. and sing your praises unless you say, I'm so glad you had such a great experience. Would you mind telling me anything that I did wrong and telling the world everything that I did right? And then they're like, oh my God, you did everything right. I'll tell the world. And they they do the review and there you go. What was the most surprising bit of feedback you got in those early days? Ooh, um, the first, well, the biggest surprise that we were like, no, thank you was, and we'd like to do it in that third winery voice. You know, she needs a deal, which is how they always start the conversation. You know, she needs a deal. You need a stripper pole in your van and eat a popcorn machine. And we're like, <laughs> huh. liability and mess, greasy fingers all over our leather seats, hard pass. So, yeah, so suggestions like that have been um, just ridiculous. We're like, we'll take that under advisement. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Um, so, those were the bad ones, but the most surprising good one, which every day I kicked myself, not having thought of it myself, was our first guest to do six tours in a row, which by the way, she did, not in a row, she did six tours in less than three years. Um, but we were uh, talking about what we were going to give her for a special gift. And uh, she, she, I was like, I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be great. And she's like, well, I hope it's a wine charm because that would be awesome having cork and keg tours every time I open a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. And I was like, wine charms, she's a genius. And so we actually, our very first wine charms, they're better now, but our very first wine charms were actually a suggestion from a customer and we took it. And so, yeah, so that was one of the best things we ever found out was some different ways to make our swag sticky um, and doing things that people would, would, would use, you know, over and over. You hear a lot about Arrival on this podcast. It's the conference designed for entrepreneurs just like you. The Arrival conference features so many practical sessions to help operators with direct bookings, digital marketing, tour and experience design, business operations, and so much more. You'll also get to connect with great people from OTAs, technology companies, marketing experts, and get inspired to grow your business in the year ahead. What we love most about Arrival is seeing operators and entrepreneurs, large and small, meeting each other and building new friendships and partnerships, seeing them share their stories and their learnings. This is what makes Arrival so special. So why not join Shane and many other entrepreneurs in Las Vegas, October 10 to 13 at Arrival, the event where operators, attractions, and experienced creators learn, connect, and grow. Find out more at www.arrival.travel.
Did you change or pivot the experience in any way? So you, those early days, right? Let's say the first year, you've gone out there, brand new industry for you. You've, you've delivered the tours. And then after that year, did you think, okay, or based on feedback or things you experienced yourself, was there, did you pivot the tours experiences in any way? We did. So after the first year, we really looked back at some of the things that made it more um, challenging for us for operations. And we streamlined operations and got a better booking system. And by better booking system, I mean, we no longer used a Word document and an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we invested in Schedulista as our um, as our booking system because we were still very small. Um, We still use them to this day. But so we did that to make it easier on the front end. And then we thought about what friction did our clients, you know, come up against when, you know, they were on tours? What could we do better? Uh, what we found then was if we were establishing that private experience with the winery on a bigger basis versus just per experience, we would be able to go in and know that that's what we are going to get. So instead of going to the, the winery and saying, hey, if you guys have the, the private room available, we would love to have that. Instead, now that's part of our reservation where when Cork and Keg Tours calls, they reserve that private room for us and we get it. So back then it was more ad hoc and we made it. So I have it. I call them my partners in wine, partners in Stein. Um, And so that upgraded experience is already teed up on the books. So that made it a lot easier um, for, for us to give a better experience to our guests. We also, um, our biggest changes came, oh, we added, added um, offering catering. Mm-hmm. We had a few tours where they didn't serve food um, at the winery, except for the regular, you know, winery, charcuterie fair, but it was just small pickings. And so we thought if we had this upgraded lunch experience, we could really make it special. People will look at us who aren't a part of it and wonder, how do I get that? That's what I'm always all about. I'm not, a, I mean, I'm about servicing those guests, but also in a way that makes people who aren't my guests envious. I like to create FOMO. So we started um, working on catering with some different companies and did these beautiful layouts, beautiful spreads, um, made a a great partnership with some wonderful restaurants whose clients then became our clients. So we we added that. And then the last change, the biggest changes came with, um, with COVID. Um, in 2020, uh, when we had to shut down from March to June, uh, we were thinking about, okay, well, since we're closed down, let's keep the marketing train running because it's going to come back. And when it does, what can we do better? Um, we ended up adding karaoke and decorations to our um, <clears throat> tour experience so that the ride, the journey was a part of the experience and total game changer. Now, you know, others are trying to copy it and I welcome them to it, imitate, but you know, they're never going to be able to do exactly what we do. So that makes us really different. And I think this is the one that's, this is the, this is what's going to work going forward. We're only going to get stronger on the back end, but the front end of what we do has become quite turnkey and guests seem to love it. Well, that was your second key learning you wanted to share with us, which is remove friction. Um, So, you, you talked about booking platforms. Which one did you move to? Which one did you use after uh, pen and paper? Yeah, after that, Schedulista. Um, they're small, um, and it's not anything fancy, um, but it's customizable. And it's really, I've learned a lot about what I want and don't want, what I need and don't need in some of these booking systems, um, which is one of the reasons I haven't left them is because they do provide 90% of what I need. I have a few would love to have that I'm actually talking to them in beta testing with. Um, So yeah, I like the fact that they're a smaller company that they're very interested in, in growing and helping me to grow as a company, taking suggestions and, um, and making it easy for my client to literally pick a date, pick a tour, pay for it. Off we go. So um, yeah, I, I really do like them a lot. What else do you need on top of that? And and I ask that question just because there's 160 plus booking platforms out there. And I ask every single one that I meet, so what's your superpower? Like, what are you bringing? So what what would you like on top of that rates and availability with your current platform provider? I would love a system that can help me manage, be my CRM and booking platform, uh, you know, so that I manage my clients from prospect to follow up, you know, and, and, and beyond the tour. Um, What's missing for me is having a way to communicate directly with my clients and their guests Mm. within that booking system. So right now having to bounce between email and the booking system, um, 
It's just, it's just exhausting. I would love to get rid of Outlook as soon as I possibly can again, but it's comfortable, even though I don't like it. So changing is hard. So when I do change, I want to change to something that is all encompassing. Um, I would love something that helps me to manage my, my team members, manage my assets so that they can put in their availability. And, and as they get more popular, people can book them, you know, directly through the system to say, I loved my tour with Vince and Catherine and I want to book them again, you know? So Um, so I'd love to make it so that that's something that's coming in the future. Um, and then just really making it so that that I can c- capture all the information I need to know from somebody that, I, that that's, you know, the basic administrative information, not just I don't I, I want to make sure that I keep the personal aspect. So I'm not going to I don't want a system that asks them all the questions that I ask in order to make their day special. I'll give you an example. After they book their tour, I call, I contact them and say, I'm so glad you booked. Um, tell me a little bit about the kind of experience. Are you looking for beautiful views? Are you looking for something that's trendy? Do you drink red wine or do you drink sparkling wine or all of it? What do you want your day to look like? Um, so those things I'll always ask in person because that connection is why when they show up, they are so excited to meet me or my team members. Um, but I do want something that collects all of the administrative things so that I can just talk to them about the fun stuff. So Schedulista is close, but I just, I really need something to con- connect with my um, the guests as well yeah. through email and, uh, and reviews, something that can connect directly to, if you had a great time, click here for Google, click here for Yelp, you know, and so a little more seamless and all that. Well, I would ask our listeners, um, when we post this on our Facebook group, or even drop Renee an email, if you have a system that ticks all those boxes, and, uh, you know, let us know, because that's how we learn, we learn from each other, there, there's so much great tech out there. But it's it's a headache, you know, like I say, there's 160 plus platforms out there, they all offer great things. But um, to find the one that ticks as many boxes as we need, it's a it's a real headache, isn't it, Renee? It is so hard because, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, with two different reps putting together the system, you know, in a testing phase. And when we got to the end hours later, it still didn't have enough to make me want to change. And I felt bad for the sales rep because, you know, it took a lot of their time too. But listen, you've got to do everything that I need for me to make that big leap um, and change over. So I was hoping to get that done this month even, and I'm still looking, but um but yeah, it's it's really important for me not to add to my administrative load either. Yeah. You know, when, when this business, if I sell this business down the line, I need to turn over something that is very easy for, you know, whoever takes it to run on the admin side. Um, and then also for the customer to say it was so easy to book. It was fantastic. So it's it's going to take a really special system to, to change, you know, make us change. But also, you know, I don't want to do anything custom. I've also had some horror stories about having a system built and then having it hung over your head by whoever built it. So, yeah, it's it's uh, there's a lot of competition out there, but the right company can get my business. And if they don't show up and throw up, if they actually asked you that, what do you wish your booking platform could do today that it doesn't? Then yeah. they can, uh, you know, get the answers that then they can say, oh, yeah, we do that. Or, you know what, we don't. But here's a company that does, et cetera. Um, right. So, well, the worst are the ones who say, yeah, we do that. And then I go through the whole process and they actually don't. And I have to do this whole workaround to get what I'm asking for. And I said, that's what I'm doing now. That's exactly what I told you I didn't want to do. So now I'm closing the book on you because I can't trust you. So Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So any ResTechs booking platforms listening, you've got a bit of gold there from <laughs> about to run your sales teams. Um, so You've got your first year, right? So you you got the feedback and you're building your tours. So after that, it was all easy or? It wasn't all easy. You know, the hardest part that we found in year two was we got so busy um, that we were working almost every weekend. We were going up to 21 days in a row without a day off because remember in years one, two, and three, we both still had full-time jobs. Oh, I forgot to mention that right after we um, got the LLC and and, uh, bought the domain and started the company rolling, my husband got a full-time job, like literally the day after we signed all those papers. So he was time. I still worked full time. So it became a weekend gig for those first few years. 
we did what I call outgrowing our stretch pants. And we ended up having so much business, we we weren't able to handle it. We were turning away. Uh, as of last year, we turned away more than twice as many tours as we were even able to do. So um, the easy part was getting the customers. The hard part was committing to working all of those days and then also juggling, you know, working nine to five and then working six to 10 on the business. Um, so it's not that it was, it was, simple, but it wasn't easy. And we learned by year three that it was time to grow. It was time to figure out either we're going to grow this or we're going to sell this. Our friend Chris Torres over at the Tourism Marketing Agency has just launched a series of five-minute workshops designed to help you make small changes, but make big, positive impacts in your tour business. Chris will cover such topics as email marketing, video creation, sales processes, review building, and much, much more. This free 10-week series will be available on his Digital Tourism Show Facebook group, YouTube channel, and all good podcasts. Just search The Digital Tourism Show for details. So I was being mischievous there because I know it's never easy. But sometimes as entrepreneurs, we make it sound easy and it really isn't. So talk to me about that. that, So you got those growing pains in year three. What decisions did you make then? So in year three, um, so year three was 2020. So it's 2017, 2018, 2019. So at the end of 2019, um, I left my full-time job. Didn't leave my full-time job necessarily to go full-time with uh, Cork and Keg Tours, but because things were going so well and, you know, I was telling some friends that I was going to look for a job, everybody, including my family, was like, why wouldn't you just do Cork and Keg Tours full-time? It's going awesome. And I didn't know that I could, you know... I didn't know if I was going to be able to replace my full-time income with my little side gig startup company. So I was like, well, I'll give it a try. And then that November, we had our biggest month ever. And we realized that the demand was out there. We could do it. So February 2020, we thought, let's look into franchising or buying a second vehicle. And we all know the bad thing that happened on March 2020. Yeah. So that really put things at a screeching halt, but it was the universe looking after us because the way that we had thought was the right way to grow wasn't. Um, So when we decided it was time to grow, um, we looked at, I started doing weekday tours. I started uh, doing more of a corporate approach so I could get some tours during the week and then maybe we could take off a weekend, but we were still getting so many requests. I was doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then that didn't leave me that much time to do all the planning and all the back end work. I'm still the PR person, still the, you know, uh, social media marketing, still the one taking pictures, managing the website. So we talked to a few different business coaches and thought, okay, maybe this, we do need to franchise this because I think I'd be a good franchisor, just not a good franchisee. So we thought, let's do that. Um, And then we looked at the expense of it and thought, well, maybe we should hire employees. So I'm talking to this business coach and he's like, well, listen, you know, it's going to be a headache either way. So you can either have a migraine as a franchise or a headache as an employer, but one way or the other, you have to grow, you know, with other people. So we decided to employ and we found not by accident, but like by karma, I think our first three team members, um, one was working at a winery and looking for something different. And the other two um, were guests who were looking for their retirement side gigs. So uh, we just kind of worked together, talked to them, found out that their personalities and their their skill sets matched what we were looking for. And so in November of last year, we hired our first three people and they will be starting tours on their own um, this March. Wow. Wow, what a story. And I, I love that about the migraine and the headache because we, we, we get these decisions so often. And also, I, I applaud you for hiring a business coach. Uh, and I'm hearing more and more entrepreneurs that are doing that, like having some, because I think it's very easy for us to get stuck in our bubble. And, you know, your husband and wife as well, you, you know, you, you have the discussions at home, but I think taking it out to someone else who's standing away from it or giving you that advice is so crucial. I mean, I love the fact that a lot of entrepreneurs I speak to have like a, a cabinet, if you will, as if they're in government, but they have different people they can go to for advice. And they know they're getting honest advice, not someone who's just going to smoke, uh, blow smoke up their rear end. I think it's so important to get that outside advice. Oh, it's been a game changer. You know, the first person actually to give me the great advice, her exact words were, 
you're crazy if you don't employ people. Um, she owns a massive limousine company right here in the area. So while I could technically be a competitor of hers in the wine tour industry, she's got a massive fleet and she loves helping others. And so she actually really made a huge difference for me and explained to me how to employ, why I need to employ, what that does to my bottom line and how the way that we were doing our business was extremely expensive, making mm-hmm. us look at how much we were actually earning per hour as myself full-time and my husband part-time, that number made me cry. I was like, what do you mean I don't make this much money? Are you kidding me? And but when you take away all the bottom line, all the expenses, and then how much we're paying ourselves per hour, I was shocked at how little money we were making the way that we were doing business. So when we changed our our tack, when we changed the way that we were doing things, cut back on our costs and then employed people and then looked at, okay, based on doing this many tours a week now with this, you know, additional, these additional folks, how much more we can do, we're probably going to double our, um, our income this year. And make the valuation on the company much higher so that if somebody is interested in, you know, either investing or becoming, you know, a buyer of the company, we've got the numbers to back up not only the valuation of what one band can do, but what buying a second band could do to really make this work well. And that's why the that's why the booking system is so important, because if I'm doubling my output, I cannot double my back end work. You know, that back end work has to stay simple and it has to be able to to scale and has to be able to um, be done without adding that many hours more, you know, onto that side of it. Otherwise, you're cutting into your margin. So, yeah. 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 Fantastic. I think I need to run a whole episode. Maybe we'll, we'll have to organize a panel discussion. And I'd love you to be part about how you go about picking a business coach, because there are so many empty suit gurus and charlatans out there. Finding a really yeah. good business coach is, is actually very, very difficult. Especially someone who understands our industry, right? Yeah. So I went with, so the business coach, yes. So she owns a a limo just conglomerate. She's an award-winning businesswoman. Um, But as far as, um, like I had a franchise coach who was doing our, um, helping us to figure out if franchising was right, what it would cost. Um, I also had um, another legal advisor who was explaining to me employment laws for Virginia. And what, if I were going to, if we were going to employ, what does that mean? What does that look like? What are those costs? And what are those requirements? Um, I got a lot of those through SCORE. Um, I don't know if SCORE is international, but it is an organization here in the U.S. that has branches all over the states. And the SCORE mentors, number one, they're free. And number two, um, they are matched up to match your industry, your needs. Um, and if they're not the right one, they refer you to someone else because they're volunteers. So yeah. they don't have any vested interest and in, they don't you know, promote other companies. They don't they, they, they really just want to see other people succeed. And it's a wonderful organization to use for for that type of uh, uh, support. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll add that to the the uh, show notes, which we can find at torpreneur.com forward slash 169. I would also put a shout out for our Torpreneur group on Facebook, where we have almost three and a half thousand tour operators. And, you know, you if you if you don't have a business coach or you don't, you're not lucky enough to have a cabinet of people you can go to use that Facebook group. You know, I love seeing all the questions on there and more so I love seeing all the answers from fellow tourpreneurs who come on and give support and advice so uh, make that your your first stop um talking of awards you've won a few yourself haven't you a few <laughs> which one are you most proud about oh which one am i most proud about well here's the hard thing with awards um is that a lot of them are a popularity contest they're about who ran the best campaign to get the most votes you know <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I've won, run great campaigns for the USA Today Reader's Choice Award. Um, I'm really proud of that one because being nominated is not something that just happens. It's a national award. Um, and so whoever nominated us for this award really recognized our value and pitched us enough to be in the first in the top 20 yeah. in the nation in wine winery tour companies. Um, only one of two in Virginia and the only one in Northern Virginia. So uh, somebody believed in us enough to say, wow, this company is this plucky little one vehicle company deserves a shot at the top. So in 2020, we took number three in the nation, you know, only Two companies above us were both old California companies, and then number seven in 2021, which I'm still really proud of because we were the only company in Virginia ever to be in the top 10 in those two years. And it was just um, 
the nomination is what really meant more than winning because that means that we're being looked at on a national level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've also won, uh, I was nominated for a, a national associate National Association of Women in Business uh, Organization. Um, they nominated me for, it's called the Rising Star Award for an entrepreneur who has been in business for under five years and is making uh, you know, a splash and making a difference in their community. I'm really proud of that one because that nomination came as a result of me mentoring other uh, business owners, other women in business and entrepreneurs in our area during COVID, uh, mm. you know, like I said, my business couldn't operate. So during that time, I started showing other entrepreneurs how to get successful with their social media and their marketing, helped some businesses to launch really successful businesses. So with that award being a nominee because of those works, even though it's not as well known, um, mm. I'm really proud of it because it was a nomination and a win because of what I've done for others, not because of being able to run a really good campaign, yeah. which I'm going to do again this year to win because <laughs> I'm so competitive. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was a big one. Great. What do you think is the, the biggest driver of growth for your business? So are you working with any OTAs or what sales channels or marketing? You know, where do you think most of your growth is coming from? Yeah, it's organic. Um, I spend very, very little money on marketing um, costs and, and the marketing costs for advertising, uh, things of that nature. I don't spend a lot of money on that at all. I put more of my marketing into um, philanthropy. Mm. Um, so I grow by being a part of the community and being out there talking about ways to improve your life, but not necessarily pitching my tours. Um, my tours become something that they bring up and I'm like, oh yeah, you should totally take a tour. It's a great way to get away. Um, but here are some things that you can also do in our county. So, you know, by kind of taking the attention off of what I do, but more of what I know as a resource for the county has made it so that other people talk about our company. And so, um, so our growth comes from minions uh, of people and uh, and past guests and people who aren't even guests, but who just love our business model, talking about what we do and referring us. I don't use any OTAs. We do all of our booking directly through our website only. And um, we get most of our leads from Facebook. And then the second part of our leads come, well, and then Facebook, Google, I, I work hard on my SEO. And then the third is through our tourism uh, council in uh, our county. I'm a member there. I'm on their diversity, equity, and inclusion council. Um, but I also work with them on just making sure that I know what's going on in the county and I push that information out. And in return, without having to ask for it, they support me. The other businesses support me. So, you know, I know it sounds like it might be kind of a trite answer to say help others and, you know, the universe takes care of you. But that really is how I grow, um, how we've grown. We were able to do 70 tours in eight months uh, last year. And remember, it was mainly a weekend business, a few during the week, um, but we turned away 164. So that means that the demand is out there, not just for what we do in our industry, but us being the ones that provide that service. So growing our team was the next logical step. And I'm just going to continue making sure that people have the most fantastic experience with us that's different than what they get by just hiring a limo or a tour company that doesn't go above and beyond and continue being a part of my community so that my constituents, you know, constituents, like I'm in an election, my, um, you know, my, my neighbor. I'd vote for you. I'd vote for you. Vote Renee, vote Renee. Um, yeah, that my my neighbors and my you know other community members and um, fellow business owners they think of me first when yeah. somebody says, "Do you know anybody who does wine tours?" I'm the first one on the tip of their tongue, and that's you know that's that's how we grow. I just want to wrap up this interview with a couple of last moment questions. First of all, if I could put you in a time machine and take you back to the beginning of your business, your tour business, what would you do differently based on what you've learned over the last five years? I might have bought two vans at the same time and looked for, yeah, so I get to know what I know now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay, I would buy two vans and I would have already had a team when I started. I would have just 
flooded the wineries with um, weekend tours on one side and weekday tours. I would go after um, corporate events um, and I would do a lot more networking with the executive assistants um, versus trying to find out, you know, who owns a company or this manager or that manager. So I would go back to the gatekeepers as my first line. Um, I wouldn't change anything about our market research. I think we did a bang up, fantastic job at that. And that's why we are partnered with, you know, more than 80% of the wineries and breweries in town. Um, the others that we're not partnered with, we don't try to be partnered with, but um, we, um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't change that, but I would definitely have started bigger and I would have made my five-year plan in year one instead of in year three. Yeah. Yeah. Sound advice. Um, my final question for you is what do you have, what advice do you have for others who are Either they have an idea, they want to launch a tour business, they want to get started, or maybe they've started their tour business and because of COVID and everything else, they're they're feeling a little down in the dumps. What would your advice be to fellow tourpreneurs right now? The first thing I would say is do your market research. If you want to do a walking food tour, you know, in New York, but there are 25 walking food tours, I don't know that you do it unless you can really bring something special and fantastic to the table. So if there's a hole in the market that you can fill, great. If it's already glutted, but this is your passion and you don't want to change your idea, then come up with something that makes you stand out, that really differentiates you. Um, Because without that, you're just run of the mill and it's much, much harder to break into a market that's already got its um, already uh, loyal customers. Um, The second thing I would say is to is to be a part of your community and not just be about just your your own business. You need to be out there with the nonprofits and you know do something to either donate your time, your money or your services or products to make sure that they also appreciate you. There are ways to do that, you know, that don't mean that you're just handing out, you know, doling out freebies all the time. I do a marketing campaign every year that almost doubles our, well, the first time I did it almost doubled our social media. Right now, it's about up by another 25% at this point. But um, it's really a marketing campaign that helps multiple charities. And it's a great way to spread awareness, not only for the nonprofits that are local, but also for my own company, doing something for good and, and, and getting, you know, some marketing out of it. So be a part of your community, do your market research, um, make sure that you have differentiators, and then be ready with a backup plan. Um, when COVID happened and we couldn't do tours for the high season, which is spring and summer, um, I went to virtual tastings. Mm. So I ended up using my vehicle in my driveway, sitting out there, singing songs, playing music, drinking wine, staying in front of people, even though it was bad. So if you can't do your primary job, find a way to work it anyway. Mm. Uh, We would go, if we didn't have a tour on a Saturday, we would still take the van to different wineries just to make sure it was seen, go in, you know, have a glass of wine, say, we can't wait to bring guests here, get out there. You just can't, you can't rely on everybody likes what I do. So they will come. My business will build itself. No matter how sexy your business is, that doesn't happen. So stay visible. Even if you're not actually on the clock, make sure your differentiators are well known. Mm. Do your market research to be sure that you are not one in a thousand. Find the way to be, you know, one of a thousand, try to be one in a million, you know, be the one that stands out and be a part of that community. Find out what matters to your community and get out there and genuinely from your heart, be a part of what it, what it is that matters to everybody around you as well as to you. Solid advice from the heart. Thank you, Renee. Where can people find you online? Ooh, I'm everywhere. <laughs> So if they go to entrepreneur.com and go to the Facebook for business page, you will find a profile on our company that so far is over 18 million views. So you can see there. Yeah, that was really exciting. Um, Corkandkegtours.com is our website. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under those names. And then under my name, Renee Ventrice-2016 is where you'll find me on LinkedIn. Oh, and I have a podcast, Start Whining with Renee Ventrice. Love it. Uh, taking, yeah, taking people from the beginning, from beginners who aren't sure about anything about wine, to psalms and winemakers who love my um, my style of pairing wine with life, you know, and giving wine personality and people personalities. So I feel like I should give you your wine personality there, Shane. Yeah, 
I, I need it because you know what, right? I know so little about wine. When I go to buy a bottle of wine, I look at prices yeah. and I go, okay, I'm not buying that four ninety nine bottle, but I'm not buying the 31 either. So I'll get something in between and hope. And it has to be red. Like I love red wine. I'm not, I'm not keen on white wine. So yeah. Okay. Well, well, so number one, if I ever get a chance to meet you, I will get you keen on a white wine because I know of plenty of white wines that are red wine drinkers whites. Wow. But yeah, but if you were a red, I'm going to give you a Merlot because Merlot is a really great supporting wine that makes um, wine of, of different varietals even better. It like brings backbone to it. It brings structure to it and it adds different qualities and properties to wine that may not be there, that, that the bottle isn't bad by itself. But when you add a little Merlot to it, it gets another layer of, of mm. value and quality and then just kind of ex- expands and explodes. So what you do with tourpreneur gives these tours, you know, these tourpreneurs and people who are wanting to be tourpreneurs but need to lean, uh, learn, you're the backbone in the middle that brings it together. So you are the Merlot for all of us. So that is your wed wine personality. Fantastic. Now I'm really thirsty. I could murder a glass of Merlot. It's only 12, 16 in the afternoon. I better wait till tonight. Ah, <laughs> uh, not so, not so. It's grape juice. I mean, you're getting in your vitamins. I think it's totally fine to drink fermented items before 5 p.m. <laughs> the challenge is I have two more interviews this afternoon. I've never I've never conducted an interview after a couple of glasses. So um that'd be quite funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Come back to me afterwards and we'll do a part two of the interview after you've had some wine. <laughs> and you can get that. It's, it's the Patreon. It's uh, the bonus post show <laughs> behind the paywall. No, wonderful. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your authenticity. We wish you all the very best and we'd love to invite you back onto the show. Like I've got a ton more questions here, things we didn't have time to get into. I'd love to invite you back on so we could dig into those topics as well. I would love to do that, Shane. I appreciate what you do for all the tourpreneurs out there. I just have to give your Facebook group a shout out because we wanted to go to Tuscany last year and I put it out there that I was looking for a tour company that could offer, you know, a certain level of tour for me. And somebody from the site actually reached out and now he's practically my cousin. I mean, he gave us the most experience exquisite experience in Tuscany. As a matter of fact, we're going back to Italy again using his company and I found him through you. So you really do connect not only us to each other as as tourpreneurs and, you know, tourism industry professionals, but as clients for other people who care about doing the best in their business. Your site is a great resource for that. So thank you also for that. Thank you. What's the name of his company in Tuscany? Oh, touring. Well, he's in Italy. So touring Italy, he's down near Naples, but he knows all of Italy. So we're doing the Amalfi Coast with him this year, but we did Rome and Florence and Tuscany with him last year. So yeah, touring Italy, Roberto D'Alessandro is just, uh, I'm, I'm so pleased that I found him through your group. Well, thank you for bringing it up because I do want to go to Italy. It may be next year now, but uh, yeah, thanks for the tip. I'll definitely be giving Roberto a, a call. He's the one driver, concierge, um, tour guide, translator, uh, just all around great guy. So yeah, we can talk more about that. Hey, it sounds like maybe we should interview him on the show. Maybe we could do a, a double act. You're a podcaster. We can get him on and find out about his business. What do you reckon? Oh, that would be great. He's got such an amazing personality too. He is the type of guy who will just, he lights up a room as well. So yeah, I, I would love that. And he, you know, he's still going strong. He's got, you know, another set of, of challenges the way that Italy does right yeah. now, you know, and yet he's finding a way to overcome those, expand his services to make sure that if he can't do everything he does, what things can he do to still keep going and still keep relevant? I'm really proud of what he's doing with his business and so happy I got to know him and find him through you. So fantastic. Well, let's, let's get, let's get him on the podcast. Renee, thanks a million. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Shane. It was such a pleasure. You have a fantastic day. And we even got a cameo there from Beamer, the little Jack Russell that all of you listening in couldn't see. He was very adorable. He kept bringing toys in for Renee. (laughs) Anyway, listen, I fantastic interview. Great one to start the year with here at Torpreneur. I love Renee's authenticity, her energy, and just her sheer honesty around uh, the challenges of, of building a tour business. So just to wrap up, here's her three major learnings for you. First of all, market research, not just seeing who is already in your area, but what aren't they doing that you can bring to the industry and how will you differentiate and elevate yourself? Nugget number two, remove friction. 
evaluate and reevaluate anything that created a bump in the process and smooth it out. Maybe it's back end, maybe it's front end, but the easier it is to book, plan, and enjoy the day, the better. More efficient for you, seamless for your guest. As we got better at this, it gave us the confidence to hire team members since now we could make working with us a wonderful experience. And nugget number three, community partnerships. Nonprofits and adjacent businesses can be your best marketing allies. Being a tourism resource beyond your own tours will make others want to support you and your brand will become well-known through other resources beyond your own awareness campaigns and marketing. I, uh, we didn't get time to touch on this in the conversation, but I did ask Renee about a nightmare situation she faced and how she overcame it. And she said, it was our final tour of 2021 before heading to Tuscany for vacation. We picked up the bachelorette party and both immediately noticed how frail the bride-to-be looked and both planned to keep a closer-than-usual eye on her. We weren't even 15 minutes into the 30-minute drive to the first winery when we get a call from the bank to pull over. The bride was having a full-blown panic attack, chest pain, trouble breathing, bad enough that we had to call emergency services and get her on oxygen. Even her parents came to the country road where we were pulled over with the ambulance. The decision was made to take the bride-to-be back to the B&B to lie down. They were all from out of town and didn't want the bridal party to have their day taken away from them, but they of course didn't want to do the winery tour without her. Sure, we could have taken the money and wished them the best, but instead my husband and I decided to take them all back to the B&B and and said we would bring the wine tour to them. We told them all to get comfy by the pool and leave it to us. We went to two nearby wineries, picked up wine and food to create a wine pairing lunch while my husband and the B&B innkeeper prepared the food. I conducted a poolside wine tasting that the bride participated in. By the end, they all felt incredibly special and well taken care of and commented that it was better than their original plan. Um, I wish we'd had time to go into that because it sounds, uh, well, Renee and Don definitely went above and beyond to help their customers, their guests. And I think you hear that throughout this conversation that, they go out of their way to make their guests feel special. Um, and that is their secret source. So a big thank you to Renee. Big thank you to all of you who listen in. And uh, if you've enjoyed today's show, it would, uh, well, I'd be very honored if you could share it with other peers in the industry. There's a lot of operators out there looking for inspiration, looking for motivation, looking for guidance. We don't all have a business coach, so make sure you join the Facebook group and uh, share this with others in the industry. And, uh, yeah, let's let's help each other grow our businesses in these uh, tricky times. Thanks for listening to Torpreneur. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.